Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Now, you've probably seen the likes of 2012 or Don't Look Up. Lots of these disaster movies where there's a race against time to save humanity from impending doom. And a lot of those films have this common thread of a superset of mega rich people who are trying to buy their way to salvation. And while that might sound silly, what if I told you that there are actual people making those exact preparations right now and there is no room at the inn for people like you and me? Well, you, definitely. Um, here to tell us uh, about them is Douglas Rushkoff. He is Professor of Media Theory and Digital Economics at the City University of New York. He's the author of over 20 books, the latest of which is Survival of the Richest, Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires. He joins me now. Welcome to the programme, Douglas. Uh, this hey. is such a fascinating um, story. So tell me a little bit about you first before you tell us about this initial meeting that you have that sort of started everything. Well, I'm a, uh, a hopeful old relic of the cyberpunk era, right? I was one of the people who, you know, was first on the 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 digital culture train in the late '80s and early '90s, hanging out with, you know, Timothy Leary and Terence McKenna, and looking at how technology was going to, you know, change the collective human imagination, and then was, you know, sadly disappointed as we you know, sold out the internet the way a, a restaurant sells itself to the mob, you know, <laughs> basically a, a front for money laundering of one kind or another. And, and you know, and look at what happened to people. Um, but, you know, I get called in a lot to, um, you know, because I was kind of, I guess I was right about a few things early on. So now they call me in to like tell them what's going to happen in the future so they could place their bets effectively. And, um, uh, you know, and I try to do as few of these things as possible, but if they offer enough money, you know, I'll go talk to a bunch of, you know, rich people about the internet. So I did one of these, what I thought was one of these talks, but instead of bringing me out onto the stage, they, these, they brought these five guys into the green room who sat around this little table and started asking me all these questions about their bunkers. Like, you know, Alaska or New Zealand, will seasteading work? Can we get off the planet? Can I upload my consciousness? And you know, the question that they were they were most concerned with was, you know, how do I maintain control of my security force after the event? Because their money is going to be worthless. So, well, well OK, so, so back up a bit. <laughs> yeah. So you're at this event and then you get pulled into a a, a side room. And who's well, in the room? the room? Can you tell? This is the event. This is the event. In so the whole of it. So you see so you 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 travel to the desert for no event just to be put in a room with five people who pick your brains on the end of the world yes can you tell me who these people are no okay um, <laughs> that's it fine wasn't, it wasn't like the ones you know i didn't know i mean and i'm pretty tech aware i didn't know who these people were right okay. it's not like a zuckerberg and elon musk it was like you know you know the, the third partner of the blah blah hedge fund this or this vc capital blah blah you okay. know so they, they were money people, money tech people, more than they were uh, uh, tech tech people. But and they so, had so the they, mindset. They, so you, know, so the, you had this reputation of being a, a sort of a, a, a tech forecaster or some yeah. sort of um, fortune teller, uh-huh. and you'd done, and, and and they figured you were a good person to pick their brains over how to how to survive an apocalypse. Did they talk? Did they give you any frame for this? conversation yeah. well they called it the event you know they said that their uh, uh 
statisticians determined that there was a 20% probability of a cataclysmic event occurring over the next 50 years. No, I mean, right. it seems it already has happened, but, yeah. um, you know, but look out mean, the window, pal. Exactly. You know, that, you know, uh, climate change, pandemic, social unrest, uh, uh, electromagnetic pulse, nuclear accident, uh, you know, one of those kinds of things that makes, uh, you know, civilization as we know it unworkable. So they were developing various plan B's as you might call it, you know, for, for, for to have insurance against it. But really what was going on there is, is you know, these these are guys who are, are subscribing to what, what I've come to call the insulation equation. You know, they're looking really at, do they have enough money and technology to escape the harm that they're creating, earning money and using technology in that way? You know, it's like they're 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 really more, and this is why they would bring me in, not for the actual specific bunker strategies, but to kind of water test the philosophy that is it possible to build a car that goes fast enough to escape from its own exhaust? In other words, can they somehow break the laws of physics and and outrun their own externalized damage? So so these guys did they have very specific questions for you regarding um what their plans are i mean so if it's a physical uh, catastrophe there must be they, they, uh, they these guys have already built bunkers they or like what what sort of infrastructure are they talking about what sort of questions are they asking you about well, it's interesting. I mean, because they they were a little cagey with me, and then I thought maybe they were being cagey with each other. You know, because it occurred to me we're we're sitting around this round table. It's five guys and me, and I felt a little bit like um, I flashed on this movie. Uh, it's called Man with the Golden Arm with Frank Sinatra, where he's a he's a poker dealer. And that they call him in because he's like the best poker dealer in the world. And I felt like I was called it almost like a, a poker dealer for these five guys to sort of show off for each other about what they may have or not. So one guy's got an island, another guy's bought land in New Zealand near where Peter Thiel has his land. You know, someone else is like deep into uh, uh, artificial intelligence and trying to create a mind clone of themselves. So each of them were sort of uh, half real and half faking, I think. Uh, how far along they are in what their various strategies are. And in some ways, the event was a way for them to to show off for each other about how committed they are to, you know, whatever their their plan is for escape. So one of the interesting things you, you, you said was their most, their biggest concern was how to take control or how to keep control of their personal security forces when their money is useless. Right. And and that's a very specific question. It is. Um, and that and, and it was. And it was the thing that they spent honestly 75% of our time on. And that's when I realized, well, that's because the, most of the kinds of things I write are about the impact of technology on humans, on society, and sort of are we holding together or not. So they're looking at it almost as a kind of almost behavioral economics, cultural anthropology question. So how would I maintain control over my security force if I have no money? Because money is worthless, because civilization's gone. Your dollars, your pounds, your things, they're not worth anything. Do you use gold? Well, who needs gold 
in the apocalypse, how much, how many teeth are we filling, right? You know, how many, <laughs> how many audiophile connectors are we, are we making, <laughs> right? You don't really need gold. So what are they going to do? So then they were talking about uh, uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, negative incentives. Like, well, could we have, you know, microchips in everyone who's at the facility that we use to grant access to different things so it could be centrally controlled or shock collars or could I be the only one who knows the combination on the safe? And, you know, I I'm to- sorry. Uh, yeah. I, 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 were these actual questions whether or not they could have shock collars on the inhabitants of the bunker they built to survive the end of the world? Yeah, or the equivalent of shock collars. In other words, shock coll- the shock collar concept, but how could we stealthily you do shock collars? So if everybody was implanted with something, which is part of, you know, are they on the blockchain and they're keeping track of something or you've got robots or, you know, or, or, what do you do? And, and I, I tried to help them see that, you know, the best way to make sure your security force, your hired Navy SEALs take care of you in the bunker is you treat them really well today. And I, I have jokingly said, you know, if they want your head of security not to shoot you in the apocalypse, then pay for his daughter's bat mitzvah today. Yeah. And, you know, they all <laughs> left. And what I was trying to help them see was, you know, if you don't see the rest of the world as people to defend yourself from, then maybe we won't need to have an apocalypse at all. You know, rather, <laughs> you know, they look at humanity itself as a problem to be fixed with technology. You know, and that's that's not that's not going to be that's not a winning uh, uh, worldview. Did part of you feel a little bit uncomfortable being the conciliary to essentially the bad guy from most Bond villain movies? In a way, but you know, I felt more like I was I was a a, a rabbi, an ethicist coming into the lair and trying to shout good sense, you know, and ethics to them that if I could help, if I could get two of these five billionaires to rethink what they're doing, two of them to go, you know, maybe Rushkoff's right. Maybe I'm going to stand a better chance at survival if I make the world a place I don't need to escape from rather than try to prepare Mars for a colony. That's uh, that's not an actual thing they were talking about, is it? Or well, I asked them. I mean, I was joking with them when they were talking about escape. I was like, "Oh, I thought all you guys have rocket ships to go to Mars and get off the planet." And they said, "Oh no, we're low-level billionaires." Was one of those. That's like Thiel and 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 uh, you know Richard Branson. The best they could do is get a seat on one of those guys' uh, aircraft. They they can't build one themselves. What other questions were they asking you about that revealed, I suppose, their mindset uh, as to how they saw the world? Because it is rare that you get to really peel back um, from the the very carefully curated personas of multi, multi millionaires, in this case, billionaires. What else did you gather about the way they saw the world? Well, I guess what I realized was, you know, they took... Stuart Brand at his word when he was a, a, a great kind of 60s, 70s uh, uh, radical who then um, became a, a technology and, and culture expert. And he said, um, we, we, we are as gods and we may as well get good at it. You know, so they see themselves as gods, as one level above 
regular humans. And they, they, in some ways, what I realized was that this, uh, uh, apocalypse nightmare is actually a fantasy. That's why I call this, you know, escape fantasies of the tech billionaires. That in some ways, this is their deepest, their deepest wish. And then you, I've looked at their work and look at what they do. You look at Peter Thiel's book. It's called From Zero to One. What does that mean? He says that if you want to be successful in business, you have to operate one order of magnitude, 10x above everybody else. So they're all competing. You rise above them. You know, or Mark Zuckerberg, when when Facebook reaches its limit, which we've seen, right? Uh, subscriber base is peaked, the public sentiments against it. What does he do? He goes meta, right? One level above. It's sort of a hand wave thing. Oh, it's bigger than Facebook. It's the whole universe. It's one it, it, uh, crypto plus virtual reality, blockchain. It, uh, it's out there. It's a meta. It's there. It's everything. It's, it's once removed. It's like derivatives are to stocks. It's one, one level, one, uh, one, one derivative uh, above everything else. And even the way they talk about themselves, their, their main goal is to become what they call self-sovereign individuals. They use that term actually with me, self-sovereignty, when they were talking about seasteading and going out onto the ocean, self-sovereign. And I'm like, what does that mean? Self-sovereign, that you're king of you. Right. So you're you're a sub. So they're you not make it sound like they wanted the end of the world to come so that they could survive on their own in their own little island doing very exactly. well for themselves. And that's what we were looking at was not really a realistic plan for escape from humanity, but a way of in some ways justifying the way they are living right now justifying the same way that maybe all of us during COVID, you know, okay, so now I do have the Amazon Prime and DoorDash and Grubhub and a little video doorbell and let the drop the package at my door and I'll wait till the germs are dead and then go out and <laughs> with my bleached gloves and bring it inside. That this is the way they live is, is they give iPads and poisonous apps to our kids, but they send their kids to, you know, Waldorf Rudolf Steiner schools and feed them, you know, organic food and don't let them touch a computer. So it's like, what is that? They are, they are removed from us. And you're almost saying that they are engineering the end themselves that they want to make sure they're protected from. Yeah. I mean, they subscribe to a, a, philosophy that came out of a science fiction novel called accelerationism. You know, that they think that the world as we're living it and our governments and our civil, this is just, this sucks, you know? So they believe accelerationism means let's just speed up the end, you know? So this is where guys like Thiel and Musk dovetail with Trump and Bannon and QAnon and those guys where it's like, they see the whole thing as corrupt. Government is corrupt. Government is parents telling us what to do and 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 stamping on our liberties and our individuality and our our quest to be completely autonomous individuals. And what they don't realize is that, I mean, as I see it anyway, there is no such thing as an autonomous individual. You're, there's no such thing as an individual, that every bit of happiness and autonomy and agency we have comes from our interaction and, and solidarity with other humans. Mm. But they are on a different trip. They are on a trip that we've been on really since, this is what I write, it's the 12th, 13th century, the invention of the individual and the enlightenment, self-sovereignty and, and independence. And 
Where does that go? If you take those enlightenment ideals and dovetail them with corporate capitalism and all of its attendant selfishness, and then throw on digital culture and this quest to be in a virtual reality bubble by oneself without any of the scary stuff of women and nature and uncertainty, you get billionaires fantasizing about these kind of walking dead scenarios. Do you think the billionaires you met are similar in mindset to the, the the ones that we all know and I was going to say no one loved that's not quite right <laughs> the, the Zuckerbergs the Thiels the uh, Bezos's of this world oh, do you yeah. think this it's a similar mindset of it is preparing it, for the end well it's not a similar mind it's not necessarily preparing for the end it's more their approach to life right their approach to life is to to isolate from everybody else to mm. to think of themselves and to rise above you know it's to it's really to rule you know mark zuckerberg models himself after augustus caesar he says so that's his haircut is to look like augustus caesar and while on one level we should be thankful it's augustus and not caligula that he's modeling himself after it's still a friggin roman dictator a roman emperor right that's not that, that's not and, and and I understand. I mean, I I have empathy for them, even though they don't. You know, if you put a billionaire in an MRI machine, turns out their frontal lobes don't um, have empathy. That that it turns out that extreme wealth actively erodes empathy. I don't I don't think you need to be a scientist. Um, well, to, it turns to know out, that, but, but we have the proof. You know, it looks yeah. like they've got brain damage. Like there's like there's been been head trauma. But you know, even the benevolent ones, like I and I talk to them, even the ones who, you know, they go to Burning Man or down to South America and do ayahuasca with a shaman, you know, then they come back and they go, Oh my gosh, the climate is in trouble. So I should be the one who's in charge of fixing the climate. Here's my plan. I've got a software stack and a game B and a new <laughs> plan. And this is the way we're and it's like, why are you all of a sudden, you're the one who just led us into this polluted mess. And now 15 minutes into your transformation, you think you should be the one to lead us out of it? Mm. I don't know. It sounds it sounds very familiar and um, that, that narrative. The 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 one thing is for sure, we are fascinated by these rather unusual and entitled figures. And, and that's why I think you should read the book. It's called Survival of the Richest, Escape Fantasies of the Tech Billionaires. It's by Douglas Rushkoff. Douglas, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. News Talk.